thank you for having me. I just want to say that I'm, I'm mostly here uh, in the capacity of a comedian, uh, so that will explain the uh, lack of research and general preparation. Uh, when uh, Danny told me the theme of the evening was perfection, I thought, perfect. Uh, what does perfection mean to me? I quickly realized perfection is subjective in so many ways across art, culture, time, time zones, fetishes, the list goes on. For example, you could be a perfect douchebag and yet still be president. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Perfection is subjective. What does perfect mean to me? This face. <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, thank you. But according to my Tinder, perfection is subjective. Uh, okay. But seriously, what does, what does perfection mean to me? Uh, I'll tell you, uh, it's embarrassing, uh, but I will tell you tonight. Uh, for me, it is a cat so large you could ride it like a horse. <laughs> I call it equus felis, the perfect hybrid and the perfect way to spend your research dollars, scientists. Your grants? No? Yes? Perfect fantasy turned perfect reality? No? Will you think about it? Say so you, so you'll think about it. Perfect. Uh, all right. Okay. Uh, but personally, uh, how does one achieve perfection? Uh, like myself, how do I achieve perfection? Easy. I was born. Boom. <laughs> Laboratory over. Perfection accomplished. Next topic, please. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I did not wake up like this. Uh, case in point, I have so much hairspray in, there should be a hole in the ozone following me like GPS. <laughs> All right, but anyway, for uh, inspiration for tonight, uh, Danny and I uh, went to the Science Gallery's exhibit on perfection. Uh, and if you haven't seen it, uh, I can say that it is truly upsetting, uh, but I recommend you all still go. <laughs> anyway. We learned that, uh, you know, from body modification to surgery to Instagram filters, people will go to extraordinary lengths to achieve perfection or give the illusion of perfection. Not me, of course, because I don't even have Instagram. But I have interfered with an oil painting or two. Anyway. So on the, on, on the theme of perfection, uh, I guess what would be relevant to me would be those, those two sort of pillars of the female experience, makeup and hair removal. And I'll try and speak on them both and I'll try to incorporate as much science as I can. Uh, makeup. Makeup is weird. Makeup has killed people. Did you know that? They used to use a, 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 lead, a white lead to uh, lighten their faces during the Renaissance. Yes, mascara. Mascara has caused blindness. There was a type of mascara in the 90s that had an untested chemical in it, p-phenylenediamine, which was also, for your, for your allergy enthusiasts, it was also uh, voted allergen of the year in 2006 <laughs> by, the con by the American Contact Dermatitis Society. So they sound like a fun group. They might get under your skin, hey, hey, hey your skin, dermatitis? Anyway, uh, anyway, apparently this compound causes ulcers and it caused an infection, blinded one woman and another woman died from the subsequent infection. So makeup, 
Not very good, uh, but we use it. Anyway, it's a mainstream thing. Uh, it, and I, I think we probably are all familiar with the concept. It's, it's meant to enhance our sexual characteristics. You know, uh, full lips, flushed, flushed cheeks, dilated eyes, all supposed to make you look more fertile, like you're, like you're in the state of arousal, which is why I like to put a little bronzer on my ovaries. <laughs> very robust. Maybe it's Maybelline, maybe it's patriarchy. <laughs> and the name, makeup. Since when is it okay to just make something up? You know, near as I can tell, that's lying with your face. When someone tells me I look nice, I'm like, you know my eyelids aren't really purple, right? I drew a picture of a face on my real face with these colored pencils, because society? <laughs> Imagine my surprise when I learned that makeup actually has been around for, since early humans. And those guys would actually paint their faces not for ornamentation, but as ritualistic protection from evil spirits, like women dating over 30. <laughs> So mostly they would use like colored okra, which comes in red, yellow, brown. Fast forward to 2500 BC, you got the Egyptians. And of course those guys are using rouge for their lips and their cheeks, mostly to appear, you get it, fertile. Uh, but there were some practical uses to makeup too. Uh, apparently the dark pigment under the eyes used to help protect you from the sun. Uh, which is why I spent $29 on eyeliner on being sun smart. Uh, makeup back then was mostly made out of rocks, minerals, plants. Cleopatra uh, was said to use a, a bright green malachite paste on her lower eyelids, and then a deep blue eyeshadow with uh, flecks of pyrite, and uh, the, the blue was made from ground lapis lazuli stone. And she darkened her eyebrows. Mm, yep, girl, I know. Darken those eyebrows. And uh, she also lengthened her eyelashes with coal, which was, at the time, a mixture of powdered lead sulfide and animal fat. Uh, also, at the time, what was really popular was a red pigment called carmine, still being used today. And it actually comes from a sessile parasite called the cochineal scale insect. And uh, people have been using this insect for thousands of years to dye fabrics, color foods, and obviously make cosmetics. Uh, and the dye is obtained by boiling the insect in ammonia. Barbaric. <laughs> Cochineal lives matter, guys. By the way, makeup through the centuries has kind of fallen in and out of use based on whatever the church was dictating at the time, but one constant remained. Uh, there were two groups that typically used makeup quite a lot, especially rouge, and that would be your uh, actresses and your prostitutes. Someone tell Harvey Weinstein, those are two different professions. <laughs> am I right? Uh, am I right? Okay. Anyway, oh, too soon. <laughs> All right. Anyway, funny story about the carmine. Uh, maybe you guys are already aware of this being Australians, but uh, the insect lives on cactuses, cacti, sorry, room full of scientists. What did I just say? Cacti, even, uh, they even live on prickly pears. So, uh, and the prickly pears were actually first brought to Australia in 1788 in attempt to start an Australian-based cochineal dye industry. 
Captain Philip collected a bunch of infested plants from Brazil on his way to Botany Bay. At the time, they were getting killed by Spain and Portugal, who already were, you know, deep in the dye industry. They had a monopoly. Uh, but the British desperately needed this dye because they actually used that very red color to dye their soldiers' coats, the red coats. So anyway, uh, the attempt was a catastrophic failure in two ways. Uh, as soon as they brought the plants over, uh, the insects all died, and the cactus thrived. Uh, so it, overrun, it overran most of Eastern Australia, uh, but they were eventually brought under control in the 1920s with the deliberate introduction of the South American moth, uh, the larva fed on the cactus. Then many years later, they used the exact same reasoning for the cane toad. And we all know how that ended, with the greatest episode of The Simpsons perhaps ever written. <laughs> anyway, I'll talk briefly on hair removal because I couldn't find much on the topic, except on my own body, of course. Uh, but once again, we can uh, blame the Egyptians and also the ancient Romans and the Greeks. Uh, they used to use pumice stones to remove hair, as well as volcanic, volcanic glass and tweezers made out of shells. I just, sound, I just think that that's totally impractical. And of course, they were also the first to pioneer uh, sugar as wax. And, and in the, I found a recipe from the 1530s where they would use a combination of arsenic and quicklime to dissolve leg hair. Yeah. And our modern day nair is kind of based on a similar but much safer formula. Uh, and basically, sort of as fashion changed to reveal more of women's, you know, bodies, it was pressure from advertising that led us to, you know, get all sensitive about our body here. And uh, I think when I think about makeup and, and, and hair removal, I think that these two types of body modification are in direct contradiction to each other. Uh, as I said, makeup is supposed to make us more attractive by enhancing our sexual features but hair removal works by the exact opposite mechanism. Hair growth is a key feature of our sexual maturity, uh, sexual maturity of all mammals. And I should know, I'm sexually mature AF. <laughs> At least that's what my waxes says. Uh, because for me, puberty came with a mustache. Or as I called it back in high school, nature's birth control. That's the real old contraceptive right there, you know what I'm saying? I didn't have to take a pill in the morning, I just comb out my mustache, and I'd say, this will keep away the nasty inseminators. <laughs> now for some math homework. <laughs> so if, I'm keeping, if, I, if we got this straight, uh, in order to be considered attractive, I gotta play up one sexual characteristic and remove all evidence of the other. And despite the obvious hypocrisy, I play into it because I wax from here all the way down to my toe knuckles. And why do I do it? Maybe it's social programming, or maybe I just feel better with two eyebrows. <laughs> Who can say? Other than this, you know, I, I, I'll go through it. I'll talk about my body here. Why not? I got my nip lashes. <laughs> for my monster eyes. And I call them my monster eyes because they point off all crazy, you know? Like, this one, like, points down like a sad bear, you know? And this one, like, pointing off all nuts, like, giving the stink eye to the whole world, like, we got problem. <laughs> and the last one just looks dead ahead. <laughs> <laughs> what am I? So, uh, 
I'll close with, you know, a story about my experience, the cultural experience with this body modification, this attempt for perfection, you know. And I bring it down to the hairy samosa. <laughs> and so, you know, a young girl goes out into the world, decides to get her first wax. And, you know, I don't know what's going on. I've never done this before. My mom never taught me about this. She's clueless. She's, she's only got one eyebrow, you know. <laughs> she doesn't know what's up. So I go, and like, you know, we don't have Egyptians with shelled tweezers anymore. We've got like just, you know, Asian hair salon after Asian hair salon. And like, you know, look, we can talk about biology. It's fine. It's great that they're doing it, but they're typically hairless people, okay? We'll make some experts on this, you know? <laughs> you know, I want to go to a place where I can just feel like they're on my level. Like, you know, if there's like a place in Brunswick called like Greek women with hormone deficiencies. <laughs> I would be lining up, and then like I could walk in, I'd be like, anyone for you to give me a wax? And then some hairy beast in the corner just goes, Aah! and then I was like, let's do this, you and me. Anyway, I'm not at this magical Greek place with the hairy Greek women. I'm you know, with this, this Asian hair salon, and like, you know, I'm trying to communicate what I want, and like, you know, I call it like, uh, like the reverse the reverse uh, businessman, so like, you know, like business in the front, business in the back, business in between, you know, like I don't want any of that, you know, <laughs> the reverse businessman's mullet, I don't know what's, and so anyway, I pay the lady, and we go into the back, and she starts like doing the thing, and the, this is my first time, and the wax goes on, and you know, I'm sure a lot of people can relate, it's too hot. It's way too hot. And she can see the immediate reaction in my uh, quivering giblets. And, and, uh, and she goes, oh, okay, it's too hot, it's too hot. And, uh, and she decides she's going to help me out. And she starts to blow on the wax. <laughs> and she's blowing on the wax. And I was like, <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just like, holy shit, what did I just pay for? <laughs> I was like, lady, lady, this is awesome, but can you go like side to side or like <laughs> up and down or something? I don't know. And and, then like, and, that, and that's the thing about, you know, that's puberty when you're brown, you know, it's just two tidal waves of hair that start on opposite ends and that just rages across your body and you're like, oh, what is happening to me? And then it just meets right here at your mom's people, just like that, meets right there, explodes. And... You're just like, oh, I'm a woman now with the body of a sexually mature Ewok. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> anyway, guys, that's my time. Thank you very much for coming out. That is all I have to say. <laughs>